0: Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it
1: morning, Grace. Welcome to all that are here and all that are joining us online. I am um, just so thankful for what God has done already in this time together. And there's more that he wants to do. So, uh, wow. Um, so appreciate Leah's prayer. And, um, and I was really wondering How do we move from this place of surrendering ourselves to him and saying, God, consume me? So what I'm going to challenge us to do together is not move from this place. Is to allow that to be our continued prayer through the rest of this time together. Because I believe that as we, we've prayed a prayer. I don't know if you've realized that. But in song, we have just prayed a corporate prayer that invites God to have all of us. And um, again, I'm so thankful that uh, that's a prayer that hasn't just been prayed in here, but for all that are that are joining us online, for many believers around the world, this has been a prayer this morning, is God, take me, use me. And um, I can tell you that I, I avoid, avoided singing that song this morning, just to let you know I believe in confessional leadership. <laughs> I avoided singing that song, not because it wasn't in my heart. I didn't know if I could say the words without weeping. So, here it comes. (laughs) And when we say, God, consume me. We say, God, have my life. It's like an all thing. You know, do we understand what happens to a sacrifice on the altar? (laughs) The sacrifice disappears because it's consumed by fire. What is left is this essence, this aroma that goes to the Father and that glorifies Him. And then He flows out through our sacrifice. And, you know, there's, um, I was reading this week, a, a pastor who says that, you know, his purpose when he gets up on a Sunday morning or whenever he's teaching is to basically burn in front of people (laughs) so that they desire to burn for God. And, you know, that's what our lives are supposed to be. We're we're called to be this light, this, this aroma of God. And he can really only shine when we step back. He can only really be radiant as we step aside and say, God, just have your way. So we've prayed this prayer, and I'm going to, this may seem like an odd shift, but we're going to move really quick (laughs) from the deeply spiritual to the deeply practical. At the beginning of the service, there's an announcement about Grace Kids. And this is exciting because it's been an extremely challenging season for so many families, uh, not having the, the offering of the ministry of Grace Kids here on site. And I want to uh, thank you uh, for those that have brought your children here. I know this has been very difficult. And for those that didn't feel that you could bring your children here, it's understandable. Uh, because this is a, an essential ministry. It's so important what Grace Kids off- offers. And uh, we're excited to say that we actually put a date on it now. Two weeks from today, um, November 1st, will be the first Grace Kids back on site and will be in the 9 o'clock service. Can we celebrate the return of Grace Kids? Ready for practical? (laughs) Here's a chance to burn. Here's a chance to be a living sacrifice, to be one who offers themselves in service to God. It becomes so practical when we say, God, have my life. Have my life means have your way, God. Do what you want in my life. And part of God having his way in your life may be visiting the Grace Kids desk after church and saying, I want to serve as a member of that team. This is an opportunity to serve a children birth through grade six. And God may be calling you to be part of that team. Now, we understand it's not for everybody, uh, but I'm convinced that it's for more of us than what we want to admit to be part of this team. So we ask that you prayerfully consider and take this before God and say, God, is this a part of the way that you want to consume my life? This is this part of the way that you want me to burn for you? To be able to take children that are very young, that are newborn, and just be love of God around them and teach children and, and be with them and just show God's love up through grade six on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. So if God is calling you, please pick up the phone and answer the call. And you can do that by stopping by uh, the Grace Kids desk after the service and saying, hey, I really think that God wants me to volunteer to be part of, part of this team. Uh, if you're watching online and you're not able to stop the desk today, you can email. So it's GraceKids at gfcshrewsbury.org. dot It's an incredible opportunity that God may be calling you. And the thing is, is that as we serve, we are we are blessed. It's truly, truly true. So the other thing that I would like you, like to remind you of is that uh, these midweek prayer gatherings have have been going on for the last two weeks. This was birthed out of ten days of all in our in our season, this season that surrounded the return. And this is not. This is God ushering us into a new season. This is such an important part of the week. And uh, how many people in the last two Wednesdays, you've been at least one of the midweek prayer gatherings? Okay, we have quite a few hands. Um, I've been at both, and I want to tell you that I've sensed God moving powerfully among us. And the thing is, it, it is it's important that we do sense God's presence. We, it's, it's important that we understand that God is moving and We need to understand that when we're coming together and we're interceding, we're we're praying before God together, things are happening that we don't see. That things are happening in the spirit realm and God is positioning us in a new way and God is is bringing breakthrough into people's lives because we've come together to pray. So we want to invite you uh, to be part of this midweek prayer gathering this week. uh, The focus is going to be on humility uh, before God and before each other. Uh, So that's going to be our prayer focus and uh, we're going we're gonna to give you, I'm actually, through this message, I trust that it's going to be encouragement also for you to consider attending. God may be drawing you here in the worship center on Wednesday nights at 7. So again, that invitation is extended. Now before uh, we get into the series, um, I have a really exciting announcement to make. Um, today is the official launch of this new expression called Zeal Church in York. So the idea of Zeal Church was birthed in God's hearts long before we, ever bo- we were ever born. And God has brought so much together, and we can see God's hand working through this. Uh, pastor Alex Gilbert, who was our uh, pastor to students here for quite a number of years, and God had put it on his heart to be a church planter, and God had put it on the heart of Grace Fellowship to be a church that plants. So today is the official launch of uh, Zeal Church in York City. And uh, we want to just take some moments and, and just pray prayers, a blessing over what God is doing now and will do through Zeal Church. So would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, God, that you are a great God. God you are good beyond our comprehension. And God, we're so thankful, Lord, that, that what is happening today has been in your heart. God, it's been uh, your hand that has been moving to bring this to reality. So God, we thank you for Alex and his family and for the team that you have called uh, to serve and to plant Zeal Church in York City. God, we pray right now, Lord, that that your your presence would go before them, Lord, as they are preparing for worship. God, we pray that that place would be saturated with your presence and that there would be a drawing, Lord, that people would feel called to come to this place, uh, that there would be this hunger, Lord, and that in that hunger that people would find you. God, that those that don't know you will come to salvation, that those that do know you will be strengthened in their faith. And, Lord, we pray that you would do mighty things for your your namesake in and through Zeal Church. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have here at Grace Fellowship to be partners with and to support the ministry of Zeal. And, God, we commit them into your hands, into your care, and pray, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done at Zeal Church, even as it is in heaven. And God, even as we pray these things over Zeal Church, we pray for your continued work here this morning. God, that you would help us, Lord, to discover your kingdom in our lives in the way that you desire. God, have your way with us, God. Do what you desire uh, for your namesake. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus and everyone's sin Amen. 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 Corporate prayer. We just experienced corporate prayer again. I want to pinpoint this because... When we, when we were singing, this was corporate prayer. We were offering ourselves together as, as one to God. And the corporate prayer, we've been in this series, and this is now the third week. The definition that we've been using, this isn't a biblical de- definition. John Piper pulled, pulled this definition together, and we feel it's so beautiful, and it ties into what we feel that God is specifically speaking to us as a, a, an expression to be focusing on and building and growing in. And it's, it's this corporate prayer. So the definition is this. The corporate prayer is praying or prayers offered to God in the hearing of other believers who agree with and affirm the prayers. Prayers made in the hearing of other believers who then agree with those prayers and affirm them in some way. So that's the definition that, that, uh, that again, that, the working definition that we're using through this series and what has happened is when we sang songs of, of worship and of surrender to God, we were participating in corporate prayer because we were praying a prayer in a way that we were coming into agreement with what was being said. When I just prayed and I prayed over Zeal Church in this time that we would have together and you said amen, that amen means so be it. I'm in agreement. My heart is in agreement with what has been prayed. So these are, are examples of corporate prayer that we have been participating in, and we may not even realize it. But it's important that we do see that, that again, what we're doing is not just something that is, is done outwardly, okay, that it, it's not just a form or something we go through. We are participating in, the, in a deeply spiritual event as we're praying together in agreement before God. As we walk through this message, we'll see, um, see again how he is desiring to draw us and call us, into deeper expressions of corporate prayer. Now, one thing I, I want to, I'm going to confess now, again, I've, I've already confessed about not singing the words of the song. I'm going to confess something else, okay? Um, I have a, a tendency when I'm thinking corporate prayer, I've been preparing this message, and, and even as we've been focusing on corporate prayer, I have a tendency to lean towards intercession and supplication as corporate prayer. Okay, And that's an extremely important part. Okay, The intercession and supplication means that we're bringing needs before God together in agreement. And we're saying, God, would you please minister? Will you please meet these needs? And there's incredible power in that. We're going to look at Scripture and we're going to talk about that, that the intercession and the supplication is such an important part of corporate prayer. But I can often think about corporate prayer more in that regard and, and forget or neglect that corporate prayer is also when we're lifting praise to God when we're adoring God, when we're honoring God. And this is such an important part of corporate prayer because, you know, corporate prayer can often mirror our private prayer. Another confession. How much of our private prayer is focused on asking, asking, asking? I'm not saying that to throw stones. I'm saying that as I look in the mirror. That so much of of our personal prayer can be asking, 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 and we're called to ask. In fact, Scripture says you have not because you ask not. So, you know, we're encouraged to ask. That's such an important part. And we're also encouraged to honor God, to lift him up, to exalt him, to give him thanksgiving, to give him the praise that he deserves. And this needs to be more and more through our personal prayer lives and through our corporate prayer. So two weeks ago, when we began the series, When God's People Pray, again, the focus has been on corporate prayer. So it's really When God's People Pray Together. When we are we are coming in agreement, we're uh, we're praying prayers and then we're uh, offering offering those those um, signs of agreement. I, I think that Jeff used something about the Christian yummy expressions or something like that. That was it's this it's a mm-hmm yeah, amen. You know that that it's it's when we're coming in agreement and literally there is this participation in some form. So even when I say a prayer, or somebody says a prayer from the front, and at the end we say and everybody said. That's agreement. That's agreement. Now, let me encourage you to agree more. (laughs) Because I believe in your heart you do. In in my heart, I I do agree. But yet, I often fail to express it. But there's something about being the spoken word that has power. And there's something about that spoken word that brings us together. So, when Pastor Jeff started this, right out of the gate, he said, You know, you go to the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus gave important teaching on giving, on prayer, and on fasting. And all three of those, he said do them in secret so that you don't do it So to be seen by others. You do it in secret so that your father knows and he alone knows. So when we look at that, it's like, okay, then it sounds like Jesus is teaching against corporate prayer because he says, when you pray, go into your closet, go into your room, lock the door behind you and make it you and God. And he who sees in secret will, re- will-, will reward you. But the reality is, is that when Jesus gave that instruction, immediately with that, he then, he then gave the, the disciples the example of prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, the our, our Father, as, as some call it, is filled. Everything about it is our. It's, it's us. It's we. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay? That throughout that prayer, it's all communal. It's all corporate. And I don't know if... Yeah, I, I didn't do in, any research in this, but it really kind of struck me this week is that I really think that Jesus probably, quite possibly... Didn't just tell them how to pray; he demonstrated it at that moment that it's very possible that Jesus said, "When you pray, go into your closet, close the door, and pray to me in private." And as we pray, let's pray together now. Our Father, let's pray together now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's make it the prayer. That kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen amen, amen praise God, so be it your kingdom come, think about all that's in that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Take care of my basic needs. Take care of my inner needs, my, my need for forgiveness. Protect me and be glorified. So Jesus, again, he, he, he demonstrated corporate prayer. And we see corporate prayer throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, where over and over again, the people of God are called together to pray together. Then last week, uh, Pastor Ben shared with us um, about how to cultivate corporate prayer. And I so appreciated his, uh, uh, his analogies at the beginning where he talked about, you know, growing just happens. Maturing takes work. You know, that, that it's, it's something that, that we need to focus on. We need to be intentional about. That we need, if we're going to grow as, as those who are people of corporate prayer, we need to be nurturing this. We need to be, uh, again, focusing and developing habits. And these things move us from division to unity. And three of the habits that that he called us, that Ben called us to cultivate last week was, first of all, identifying the enemy. That, you know, so many times, again, we, uh, as Pastor Jeff had shared about the jar with the red and the black ants, is that, you know, there's there's a shaking of that jar, but the enemy is not each other. It's the one who's shaking the jar. You know, and we need to identify the enemy, and we need to pray against the enemy and the work of the enemy. Second, we need to be listening uh, to hear God speak. You know, and so much, uh, again, uh, so much time that we spend in prayer is us speaking, and often we don't pause to listen. But as we come together corporate re- corporately in prayer, we need to be listening together to hear God speak. God speaks through His Word. He speaks through promptings. The promptings are always in alignment with His Word, or it's not Him. Okay, so we need to be listening to God speak. And thirdly, we need to call, be calling uh, for the power of God to be manifested. Uh, you know, it's interesting as uh, Pastor Ben Shared last week that it was in Acts chapter four that the power of God was 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 so strong that the place where they were was shaken, you know, and, and it came because they said consume us. It came because they said we want to burn for you. Like there are, people are coming against us, help us to be bold, more bold. It's not about us; it's about you, Jesus. And that place was shaken. We saw power. Uh, the previous week when Pastor Jeff was talking from Acts chapter twelve, we saw that that uh, Peter was divinely miraculously, the power of God moved in such a way that he was released from prison and it, did, it, was, it, it didn't even seem like it was possible. So a conclusion I drew from that, from that story is that for Peter, it was easier to leave prison than to get into a prayer meeting. Okay, might, might want to read the story just so, you, so that makes sense. It was easier to leave prison. He was out and he didn't even realize he was out, but he's standing at the door knocking and he can't get into the prayer meeting. But it's because God moved in such a powerful way That the people said, Well, it can't be. It it, it can't be Peter. It was it was Peter, because in corporate prayer, the power of God is released. So, let me ask you, let me ask us Do we believe that the power of God can be released in that way here? So be it. So be it. Let it be in our lives this day. As we come together in corporate prayer, and we say, God, have your way, do what you desire. So what I'm going to be speaking on today is pillars for corporate prayer. Um, the word pillars really, uh, for me, it, it came into being through uh, meetings that I've been part of for many, many years. It's called Partners for Transformation, and Partners for Transformation are pastors uh, from this area, Southern York County, that um, are, are of different denominations, um, different backgrounds, but share the same salvation, the same Lord. And we come together, and, and we've been meeting weekly for many, many years. But God stirred some things in our hearts a number of years ago, and, and out of those stirrings and seeking God, um, we were led to establish the pillars uh, that, that we felt that God had pointed us to as Partners for Transformation. It was just over six years ago, the end of September 2014, that, uh, that we met at Summit Grove camp, Campground, and it was on a Saturday. And it was called United in Prayer. It was at that meeting that we had, uh, we had a, a paper that we handed out, and, and it communicated the pillars that we felt God had laid on our hearts. And those are, are the core values that we stand by. What we call the pillars as Partners for Transformation is also what we uh, have established as our family values here at Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. And if you go on the website and you go under um, the About tab and then go to who we are, these core values are listed, and they are so foundational. So these are going to be the focus of the message uh, as we walk through this today, but they're pillars for corporate prayer, and they're pillars for life. I'm telling you, as you embrace these, you're going to see how God, uh, God works through um, these foundations, these values, um, in, in ways that are, that are just astounding. For me, it's been a significant ordering in my faith walk. It really has helped me uh, to both see and recognize God and to walk in his way. So we're going to build uh, from the foundation up. And the first pillar, the first core value, the first family value uh, that we're going to be looking at is humility. Humility is the foundation for all things. And the reality is, is again, when we sang that, that song of surrender to God, we were saying, it's not about me. God, it's about you. It's about others. And that's the foundation. That's the, that's the humility that has to be at the very start. At the, at the, again, the, the foundation, foundation that is laid for everything else, and everything else not only builds on it, but, but then humility threads through it all. Because when you build on something, you don't say, okay, I'm putting the foundation down, I'm going to put up the wall, let's pull the foundation out. Yeah, really. Doesn't work, okay? Um, so again, we're laying the foundation. That foundation is, is it's essential. That's why it's called a foundation. It's what we build on. The second that we move to is Presence. Now, presence is, again, in regards to this corporate prayer, we're talking about coming together in the presence of God. Okay? It's coming together in the presence of God. And what it, it, what it entails is us, again, recognize the presence of God. The presence of God is, is everywhere all the time. But we come together in, in the presence of God. We're, we're coming together and we're acknowledging his presence. And we're saying, okay, God, we want you to lead. We want to submit to you. We want to discern together. Okay, so that's what the presence is. Again, humility is the foundation. Humility allows us and invites us into the presence of God. Because when I say it's not about me, then who is it about? It's about him. Okay, so that humility leads naturally into the presence of God. Then what these next two, I believe, are are byproducts of the first two. Okay, that with humility as the foundation, we move into the presence of God, and then unity results. Now, the thing is, is that you can try to have unity without humility, and it will not happen. Try it. Oh, we have. We do it all the time. Okay? We say, hey, let's get along, but then we're still standing on our own strength and our own ideas, and, and it causes co- this collision. This is, again, how uh, Ben's fo- focused last week, our need to move from division to unity. But unity comes out of being in the presence of God together because then we're, we're focusing on the same thing. We're not focusing on us, we're focusing on Him. We're, we're all focusing on Him. It brings unity. It brings togetherness. And then it produces authority. And this is what we're talking about. Walking in the power and the authority of God Almighty. Think about that. Walking in the power and the authority of God Almighty. Now, there any way that you present things, they're, they're always... Um, Flaws; it's n- never perfect. So, I wanted to establish it this way so that you saw built bottom bottom up that we're building on humility, presence, unity, and authority. But this could give the wrong impression that authority is the pinnacle of all things. Now, it is in that the reign of God is ultimately what we are desiring and ultimately what will happen. But the challenge is, is if authority becomes my goal, I step away from humility if it's in the natural, okay? But authority, as it's properly exercised, never leaves humility. Authority is still founded in humility. Authority is still founded in presence. Authority cannot exist without unity. So do you understand the ordering, how God has created this in such a beautiful way? Now, what I want us to do now is to read the Scripture together, which is, again, it's a prayer. Uh, we're, We're speaking the Word of God together. But this scripture has been the theme for us uh, through many times of focuses of prayer, many services that we've come together about prayer. Uh, through the return, we have looked at this scripture and we've gone through it. So I'm going to ask if, if we could read the scripture together, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Do you believe it's true? It's a principle of God. Now, you may be wondering, why did Mark space those words that way? Because there they are. I didn't write it. This is what God says. Humility, the foundation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If my people, that's people that do not belong to ourselves. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves. The foundation is laid. Moves into presence. And pray and seek my face. That's presence. Presence calling out to God, saying, God, we need you. We exalt you. You are greater than us. It's a presence, and it produces unity. Now, why, do we, why, did it, why does the unity, um, the word that's over, and turn from their wicked ways? Because our wicked ways happen when we follow our own ways that are of ourselves and not of God. Unity cannot happen unity cannot happen when i'm allowing sin to cause division in my own life that then causes division in the body that we must turn from our wicked ways if we're going to have unity we can't function in unity when we're carrying sin in our lives when we when we're not turning from our own way to god's way and then what happens is the authority of god is revealed god hears from heaven he forgives sin talk about authority There is none other that can forgive sin but God alone. We can forgive one another, but I can't forgive your sin. Only God can. And healing of the land, the authority of God manifested his kingdom here, even as it is in heaven. So these are the pillars. These are the the principles. These are the values that we're going to walk through today. The primary that we're going to be focusing on will be humility. So, so, Before I move to the next slide, another confession. Am I up to three now? I'm not sure. Okay. (laughs) Many more to come. So um, one of the things that I really um, desired for today, first of all, I wanted to be prepared as a messenger of God. Whenever a teacher brings a message, a message isn't that hard to formulate, and don't get me wrong. I mean, a good message takes work. But it's a lot more work for the messenger to be prepared. So my heart in preparing for today was first and foremost for me to be prepared. Secondly was to allow God to prepare the message. So I've come up with notes. I've come up with slides. As I've sought God and I've prayed, I said, God, lead me. But I also realized that for this to be effective, I, I need to live it like right now. I need to be humble before God and you, which means that at any point, we may go a different direction than what's here because here isn't my goal. He is my goal. Amen. And uh, so when we came to unity and the focusing term from their wicked ways, I don't know, God put a pause in me. I want to put a pause here for us. So many times we don't want to come into the light. And again, I so appreciate how Ben has been led in in these ways in these past two weeks. The light to darkness and the disunity to unity. So many times we don't want to come into light because we know our wicked ways. And we tried to turn from them. And we failed. God is desiring for us to live in community in a way with Him and one another that we come alongside of one another in our wicked ways. Where we come alongside one another and we can confess to one another, here's my fault. And it's sticking to me like glue. I need to come into the presence of God with you so that together. We can find the victory that I need. And You know, there's something, again, you know, two weeks ago, I believe it was part of Pastor Jeff's message, is that, that we need to confess our sins, our faults, one to another, and pray for one another so that we're healed. And I'm not going to ask that you turn right now to a neighbor unless you feel led to confess a fault, but I'm going to ask that we put pause before God and ask him to help us once again with the things that we struggle with. Can we humble ourselves now together? God, I thank you that you are faithful. God, I'm so thankful, God, that you don't call us to get right and come to you. You call us to yourself and then you help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to become right in our living. God, these words may be falling on somebody's ears who haven't, maybe they haven't turned to you. They haven't even realized their wickedness. But, God, right now you're showing them, God, that they need you. You're showing them, God, that their sin has been against you. It's been against others. It's been against themselves. God, we thank you through the work of Jesus Christ that those sins are taken care of, that the penalty for those sins have been paid through the death of Jesus Christ. And victory is won through the resurrection of Christ both from the dead and in our own lives. So God, where there is wickedness that seems to have a stronghold, God, in any of our lives, God, lead us to you. God, help us to humble ourselves, help us to come before you together to find a safe person and safe places where we can confess our sin and we can find the deliverance that you desire for us. Because God, you want us to walk in your authority. You want us to walk in your holiness. You want us to walk in a way that we cannot walk by ourselves. So God, specifically in this area, we pray, God, for deliverance in the name of Jesus. Have your way. Break strongholds in the name of Jesus. Set free for your honor and for your glory. And we'll give you praise. Everybody said amen. 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 Trust God to do what only God can do. So when we start with this foundation of humility, this is coming into alignment with God's character. Because God is a humble God. I I know I've shared this from this stage before, and and it's something that that when it struck me, it struck me so hard. And God keeps reminding me that he is a humble God. And that seems so contrary to what we may naturally think, because humility seems like weakness. Humility seems like passive but humility is deferring to others. So God, by His very character, by His very nature, you look at the Trinity, and the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in this unity, in this oneness. But they're all deferring to the other. They're all desiring that the other to be for the other to be glorified. It's they're all desiring again for the the focus is on other. So the, the idea, again, that, that humility is aligned with God's character, such a foundational thing that we need to embrace and that we need to understand. So this humility, again, is setting self aside. What would we, if I would say, what is the opposite of humility, what would we say? Probably pride. Okay, so, so humility is setting aside. Pride is lifting self up. Okay, which one do we do more easily? Pride, sure. Started right in the beginning. Look in Genesis. Pride. Okay, it's the, the root of all sin, the fall of man, is, it's rooted in pride. Okay, but God is a humble God. Pride is out of character for God. Okay, so humility is is coming into alignment with the character of God. This definition that, I've, that I came across, it's so beautiful. Um, it comes from the, the Greek word that both Jesus and the apostles used for humility is uh, topanos, And I have no idea if that's said right, but it's Greek. So... Um, But it conveys the idea of having a right view of ourselves before God and others. I want you to think about that. Humility means having a right view of ourselves before God and others. So it's seeing things as they truly are, not in the way that we've distorted them to be. So humility, again, it's scary if we think about it apart from God, but we can't think about humility apart from God. Because it's seeing, seeing ourselves in, 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 the, in the way that, it, that we truly are before God and before one another. So in Matthew chapter 11, drawn to this verse an awful lot, but it's at the end of the chapter. And Jesus has this invitation. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and gentle. And humble in heart. Jesus, the son of God, invites us to him. Why? He wants us to learn from him. Take his yoke upon us. That's his teaching. That's what, that, that's what the rabbi uh, taught, foundation of his teaching. Take my yoke upon me. Why? Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And what does he promise then? Take this yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God himself is humble by, by nature and by his character, and he's calling us to the same. So Philippians chapter 2, one, probably one of the most famous verses about the humility of God in Jesus Christ, where the, the writer, uh, Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says this, is that the way that you act and, and the, the perspective, the, the attitude that you have toward one another, should model Christ. Okay? That's what he says, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to be grasped. He is God, okay? But rather, he made himself nothing. Okay, this, this tells you our level, okay? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So going from God, the creator of all things, who by his word, worlds came into being, he brings himself down and makes himself nothing. Not just one of us, but a servant of all. That's humility. It's God. And it's not just God 2,000 years ago. It's, that's God. That's his nature. It's his character. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So when I sing, God, take my life, a living sacrifice, that's, that's saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want that character, I want that nature of God to be in me. I want to be humble. God, I need this foundation in my life. God, help me to be that. So, I know that Pastor Jeff has given this illustration before. I want to do it again. If, um, if these screens were blank... And what was going to be projected on there was everything that you did in this past week. Okay? And then we say, we're going to go one step further. Not just everything, and I'm saying for me too. Okay? It's not just about you. But we can all put ourselves in this. Everything that we did was projected on these screens in this past week for all to see. And then we add audio. Not just seeing, but hearing what we said. And then... Delving deep into the recesses that nobody else can enter. Every thought on the screens. Okay. That's not humbling. That's being humiliated. Right? Difference. Here's humbling. God has seen, heard, and knows it all. And he still loves us. Yes. That's a humble God. That's a humble God because my response with all those, if I was God, was zap, you're done. (laughs) Okay? But that brings us humility when we realize that God knows us to the depth of this more than any other person, more than we even know ourselves. God knows it and he loves us. In fact, he came from heaven for that. What's on those screens? That brings us to humility. If it doesn't, I'll say it. If that doesn't bring us to humility before God, we have pride. Plain and simple. I'm not throwing stones. The reality is if if that doesn't humble me before God Almighty, then I need to pray that God will uproot the pride. Because all is seen and known to our Creator. And He loves us. He comes for us. They that know God will be humbled. They that know themselves cannot be proud. They that know God will be humble. They that know themselves cannot be proud. So how can we be proud before a humble God? It's only if we're not seeing things as they truly are. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this, As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people and, of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Okay. Now, it's going to get real painful in just a second. If I'm looking down on somebody, I'm sorry, I'm looking down on all of you. You're, sorry. <laughs> just realize that, except people in line. We're like eye level and some friends up here. But if we're looking down on somebody, we can't see above us. So, can I tell you conviction? Confession number four. That God, um, yeah, it's probably a lot more than that. I'm going to try to stop counting. Um, if I'm looking down on somebody that I'm saying is prideful, oh my goodness, I'm more prideful than they are. Okay? Watch news on TV, see if you do this. Okay, next. <laughs> it's true, it hurts. Okay, it used to be, I heard that, you know, be careful not to pray for patience. Okay, let me give you another one. Be careful when you pray for humility. And I want to encourage you, pray for humility. Pray for humility. Can't tell you how many times in this week, and, okay, so God, like, beat me up big time for this message. I'm so thankful because I need beat up. (laughs) I mean, in a good way. Kind of like what I just said, you know. When I'm reading this, it's like when I'm looking down on somebody. Then I'm not seeing God, you know, because I'm looking down instead of looking up. And and it's so hard in our culture because we see so much pride. If you're talking politics, that's on both sides of the, of the aisle and everywhere in between. But you know what? If I'm looking down on that pride, I'm I think I'm more guilty than they are because I'm 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 choosing to not see them through God's eyes. It breaks God's heart and it's starting to break mine. We can't afford to look down on people because it's against the character of God. We must be humble. And if we're going to be people of corporate prayer, we have got to be so careful and guarded against praying from a place of pride. It doesn't work. It doesn't come into alignment with God. God wants to humble us. He will humble us. So in James chapter 4, there was division, there was fighting, there was terrible stuff. We're talking inside the church, that people were quarreling, they were, uh, they were world, worldly. There were so many things that were going on in these first few verses of, of James chapter 4. And then J- James says this, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says that God opposes the proud but shows favor gives grace to the humble saying he leads us into action because God opposes the proud and he shows favor and gives grace to the humble. Here's what we need to do. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up you realize that when I try to lift myself up, I'm setting myself up for humiliation? I'm setting myself up to feel insecure. When I humble myself before God, I'm allowing his hand to lift me up. When God's hand lifts you up, there's nothing that can bring you down. So when, this, this, when, when he says that God opposes the proud, it doesn't mean that God is like, okay, pride's over here, can't really work with that. No, God comes against the proud because that pride keeps you from God. And God's saying, I want to bring your pride low. I want to help you to see the, the things as they truly are. So God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He shows favor to the humble. What camp sounds like the better one to live in? It's a humble camp, right? Which camp sounds like the easier one to live in? It's the pride camp. So we need God to help us live in the, in the humble camp, and that humble camp is so strongly connected to the love camp that they are so strong. The link between humility and love—it's just—it's just it's wild. So I underlined, you know, 1 Corinthians thirteen, the description of love in verses four through seven. I put underline under it is not proud, but you listen to this, and it's all humility. Think about every part of this—it's humility. Love is patient. Humility. Love is kind. That's being humble. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It's humility. Always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love never fails. Humility and love are linked together inseparably because both are centered on other. Both are eyes off of self and focused on others. So that moves us to presence. Humility (laughs) is aligned with God's character, with his nature. Presence is aligning with God's ways. Presence-based leadership is foundational to who grace is as a a body of believers. Is that we don't want to move unless God is leading, unless we've heard from God and we're in agreement that this is what God is saying. So presence is alignment with God's ways. Teaching the Word Ministries has this uh, wonderful description of being presence-based and is this, surrendering all discernment, conversations, attitudes, opinions, plans, actions, reputation, and authority to Christ's authority and to his purpose. That word all is a huge word in there because it's correct connected to surrender. Surrender all to him. So as we come into presence together, it is giving God his place to show us his ways. So in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, we're told this: where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. This is the place where we as where we can. Experience God's ways together. You know, just so that you know, as leadership, when we we come together in a time of corporate prayer, we're being reminded and practicing the reality that we're not coming in with all that there is to bring. That we need the other believers in Christ to come together. And we all need to have this perspective. But again, this this statement that, that Jesus made, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with you, It's depositing his presence in a tangible way. The fact is, again, that God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. But when we're coming together in the name of Jesus, just two or three, he's present with us. He's in the midst. So when there's two or three there, how many are really present? Three or four. four. This is new way to do math. (laughs) Don't try and teach it in elementary school. It won't pass there. But in church and in life, it's the reality that he said, two or three are gathered. In my name, I'm in the midst. And I so appreciate it. It, it just was ingrained in my heart. I was in a meeting a few years ago, and uh, one of the leaders here at the church was in the meeting, and I so distinctly remember them praying, because I forget how many were in the room. Let's say it was three. I mean, in the prayer, there was this very clear statement that thank you, God, that there are four present here. And, and this isn't just... This, it's not just an idea, it's a reality. To, to understand that the unseen guest at every gathering, Jesus, needs to be the most seen person present. That when we gather in the name of Jesus, it's not about the two or three, it's about the one. Okay? And that's what when we gather here and worship on a Sunday morning, it's about the one. It's about him being, being given, given his opportunity to show us his way. That's what presence is. It's discovering God's way. And we do that together in humility by submitting to one another and realizing that, that you know, Jesus in you is going to help, us bring, help bring us to God's way for us together, that we honor one another, that we have humility for one another. So corporate prayer, again, we often think corporate seems big, okay? Corporate prayer can begin with two. Okay, that's corporate prayer because it's two people coming together in agreement in the name of Jesus. Jesus is there, so there's three. It's giving place to the Jesus person. Okay, it's saying that together the two of us are going to come before God. We're going to pray out loud. We're going to come into agreement with one another, but primarily with Jesus, with his way, letting him reveal himself to us. So corporate prayer can begin with two people. Uh, Corporate prayer um, can happen at, at dinner time. Um, I know dinner used to be a time when family gets together, and a lot of times now dinner is everybody's separated. But whether you're in your vehicle going through a drive-thru or you're sitting at a table in your, in your kitchen or dining room, it can be corporate prayer, dinner, okay, coming together. Um, if you're in a house church, if you're part of a ministry team, corporate prayer, coming together, recognizing the, the presence of the person of Jesus among you and praying and praying in agreement, but seeking again God's way in the midst of it. Corporate prayer can happen, and it does happen on Wednesday nights at these prayer gatherings, is that we're coming together in the name of Jesus, we're honoring Jesus in one another, we're giving place for Jesus to speak speak through one another, and we're agreeing with what's being said as it aligns with God's Word. Okay? So that's corporate prayer. It's happened. It's been happening through this service. These are all places of corporate prayer, and we need to cultivate, again, the corporate prayer in our lives and in our midst. So... I want to, um, I debated on this because I don't want to sound prideful, but it's humbling. So corporate prayer, I said, can happen at dinner. Earlier this week, um, just before we sat down, um, we're talking about a situation, and it was, it was a difficult situation. Somebody had not part of grace or anything, but, but it was a difficult situation. There was prayer that was given for the meal. And after amen was said, I just felt like I needed to pray for this situation. And literally I said one sentence and I just broke. I, I literally, I, I, I didn't know what was gonna happen. But I just broke. And, and I always couldn't say anything, but I can tell you the Spirit of God did something in my heart. I think the Spirit of God did something around this, the table. It wasn't something I planned. This was something God planned. It's kinda like God just saying, hey, it's, it's a dinner prayer. I wanna show you I'm here, this prayer is in my midst. And I don't know what happened except I know, if nothing else, I've been carrying a burden for that situation and God's changed my heart to really care in a way that I know is of God. As we come together in the name of Jesus, He can do the incredible. To keep me humble, another confession in this room Couple weeks ago, I was talking with some friends, and in the course of the conversation, there was just really some cool unity just as far as things we were walking through that were similar. It had to be two or three times at least in that conversation. I kept I kept feeling this prompting. Pray, pray now. I didn't. I don't have a clue why. Except I really think I missed an opportunity that God was giving. I uh, I'm not saying that to throw stones at myself. I want to learn. I want to grow. You know, and so there's going to be times that we really get it and we know that God's moving, but this is part of the symphony thing that we're going to be looking at again. It's growing in this. It's understanding, hey, you know, I missed it. You know, is God forgiving? Yes. Can God redeem that miss? Yes. But, you know, God wants to draw us more and more to where we're responding to Him and understanding His call to say, right now, this is corporate prayer. Let's do it. I'm here. So then that moves us <clears throat> that moves us forward I know I'm going to run running close on time so let me just say that when we're in corporate prayer humility needs to guide us humility needs to guide us in every aspect Wednesday nights we 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 give guidance and it's based around humility so, um, so, again, it's, it's something, again, I don't have time to share at this moment, but just let humility guide when you're in corporate prayer of any, any form. And this produces a, a unity. So unity is alignment with God's people. Humility is alignment with God's character. Presence is alignment with God's way. Unity is alignment with God's people. Powerful verse. Matthew eighteen nineteen, just before the, the verse that we had shared last. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I know that we need to be careful because this can become a formula that we can embrace and say, Hey, you and me, let's agree on this, and we got it. Remember the other person in the room. Remember Jesus. The agreement needs to be in alignment with his heart, with his will, with his way. And that's what produces that symphony. We will not have unity. We will not have the coming together that God is calling us to have. Again, if we're not coming into agreement with him. It's not you and I make up the request uh, and then say, okay, God, you do it. Now, again, this corporate prayer needs to be humbly submitting to God, acknowledging and honoring who he is, giving place to his will and understanding that his way is best and he will fulfill, he will accomplish what is best. Philippians 2. I'm not going to take time to read these verses, but I'm going to encourage you. Again, this is just prior to the description of Jesus' humility. These verses are a description of how we are to humble ourselves before one another, that we are, again, to look out for others. It's not about self. But the focus needs to be on one another. So, how can unity happen when Different people come together in prayer. It can only happen as each one chooses to focus on Jesus Christ. There's one head of the body of Christ. It is Jesus. And the only way that you and I can come into alignment is if we both have our eyes set on him. Where we set aside ourselves. We say it's not my will. It's his will be done. When we acknowledge his presence. And, when we, and then we come into agreement. Because it's agreement with him. It's unity and focus on him. I want to touch quickly is that you know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about, hey, when you're going to pray, if there's an issue between one another, deal with that first. Because you know what? We cannot be effective in our time with God when we're, at, in, with, when we're experiencing divisiveness with one another. We need to deal with that by God's grace and humility, coming to the presence of God together. Matthew 18 lays, that, lays out so beautifully. Many of us have signed the Peacemaker's Pledge in the lobby. There's papers there. If you need to figure out how to bring resolution in a relationship, we need to do it. Because when we go to prayer, God's going to shine light on it. He's going to say, hey, you need to take care of this. This is important. This is causing disunity. As we, as we focused on last week, God doesn't want division. He wants alignment. And finally, authority comes when we are aligning with God's reign. The reality is that God rules over all. He rules over all. Now, there are things that, again, he has not... Man has rule, man has some authority, but it's all under the authority of God. But what happens when we come together and we experience, again, in humility, his presence and the unity, the authority of God is released to help bring heaven to earth. The authority of God is released to establish his reign and his rule in specific situations in our lives, in our community, in our country, and in this world. It's the authority of God and the authority of none other. And Jesus... Matthew twenty twenty eight eighteen again, he came to them. This is the Great Commission. He said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go. We are given his authority and we're commissioned to carry his authority. Again, it's not beating people over, over the head with a stick. It's not, it's not an authority that's, that's unattractive. It's an authority that draws because it's founded in humility, presence, and unity. All authority is given to me, is what Jesus said, and I am in you. Go, go in the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. And then in John 14, verses 13 and 14, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So again, it's about falling into alignment with Jesus. It's falling in alignment with his reign and his rule. And this is where we're going to see the changes that God is desiring to bring in our own lives and in the lives that are around us. It's coming into alignment with his authority. I want to close with a story that um, I, w- I would encourage you to, to maybe look it up. Um, YouTube, place of all truth. No. Um, <laughs> some good things. Some people are watching on YouTube right now. Praise God. Um, and it's where the word of God can be proclaimed. But I want to share with you a testimony. I'm going to give a very brief explanation. But um, Jim Simbola, he's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. If you uh, go under YouTube, you just put in Jim Simbola praise gathering. Um, my, pe- my house shall be called house of prayer. It should bring you to this message. was spoken October 14th uh, in 1994. And it is a powerful, powerful message. If you have the full version, it's about 50 minutes long. Uh, about 30 minutes into it, he begins to close. Typical pastor. Okay. <laughs> but he tells the story of his daughter Chrissy. And uh, Jim and Carol God's it's an incredible story. He talks about how God has raised up Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. and, But Brooklyn Tab, uh, the key meeting for their week is Tuesday night prayer. And they unashamedly say that's the most important meeting of, of the church for the entire week. He said, when the battle's won there, the battle's won everywhere else. So that's what has been in our hearts for a long time that we would have something like that. And God is starting that here on Wednesday nights. Jim Simbla and his wife, Kara, went through some horrible times and I can't describe all of it, but I'll give it to you this way. Chrissy was their firstborn, just a teenager. Model child, something happened. and She just broke. She uh, left the house. They didn't know where she was living. This went on for a couple years. And in the midst of this, God was doing incredible things through Brooklyn Tabernacle. The choir, 200-some person choir was recording albums. They were going traveling all over the world. I mean, God was blessing the ministry like really crazy. But they were broken. They were broken. Because their daughter was lost. And Jim was led for period of time where, where he was praying, he was alone with God, and God said, you just need to cut it off. You can't, can't even see her or talk to her until she's right. It's so hard for him. Went through Christmas. She wasn't there. It was a Tuesday night. And they were in prayer, and just a few people knew about what was happening. But a lady felt strongly prompted of the Lord, brought a note up, and said, we need to pray for Chrissy. corporate prayer humility presence and unity and authority was about to be released Jim was hesitant because it's not about him but he felt this was of God so he had his associate pastor lead in a prayer he said that it was almost like the place turned into a birthing room he said there was just agony of prayer intercession on behalf of Chrissy He went home that night, and Jim explained to Carol what had happened. Next morning, Carol comes and gets Jim and said, Jim, you've got to come down to the kitchen. Chrissy's home. Chrissy's home. He went down, and Chrissy was broken on the floor. She said, who was praying last night? Something happened. She was broken. She was weeping. She's saying, Dad, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you and Mom. And I've sinned against myself. The authority of God, the reign of God, been reestablished in Chrissy's life. She was transformed. She went on to lead music in a choir at a Christian college in Rhode Island. And she and her husband have now been pastors in Chicago. for. I think close to 20 years. I don't know that that would have happened if there had not been corporate prayer. I said, God, we will humble ourselves before you. We will seek your presence. We will come in unity with your way, with what you desire, and your authority will be manifested in your way and your time. Folks, that's what God wants to do over and over and over and over again calls the body of Christ to come together under him to seek his face to desire what he desires he will accomplish what only he can do I, I don't know what might be in your life right now that you're needing a breakthrough but as a congregation we're not going to sing a prayer that says God consume me God burn me up so that you can have it all. And I don't know. I just want you to follow God's prompting. If if you feel called to go to somebody, and, and please I understand. Um, if God's calling you to somebody, ask if it's okay. You pray with them. We need to be careful as far as uh, just, you know, for proximity. We want to be understanding where people are at. But but I just just as we sing this, whatever whatever God's leading you to do, I really think it's. It's going to be humility foundationally. Whatever God would have you to do, uh, respond to him. And just say, God, in this corporate setting, in this corporate setting, we want your presence to be manifested. Do this in my life. And I ask that you do it now for your honor and for your glory.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.